Road Less Traveled podcast. My name is Hilary Heron and I am your host. Today we have Dr. Carol Goldsmith with us. She is the Chancellor for State Center Community College District. Welcome, Carol. Yes. Thank you for having me, Hilary. Thank you for being here. I'm very, very grateful. Of course. I, I can't imagine anything I'd rather do more than spend some time with you. Well, thank you very much. Sure. Um, in, in your role in academia, mm-hmm. how did you get into, get into it? Yeah, you know, little kids don't wake up and say, you know, I, I want to be a chancellor or whether uh, we won. Uh, you know, it's interesting. In fact, when I was young, I wasn't the best student. Uh, I liked school. I enjoyed school. I enjoyed learning, but I didn't test well, and I didn't perform well on standardized tests or those sort of things. So in my early elementary uh, years were not uh, all that um, spectacular. And then later in my academic journey, they found out that I had dyslexia. So that kind of explained uh, some of my poor test Mm -hmm. performance. And luckily, I had some really good faculty and some great teachers who were able to help me and give me the tools that I needed um, to learn and to be able to perform to show that I had uh, understand and had learned things. So that journey in and of itself, I didn't realize how much it really shaped me because I wanted to uh, be a lawyer uh, which I still think is a noble profession because <laughs> uh, I wanted to be able to help people and I wanted to be able to change you know, the world to make it a better place. And as I went to Fresno State, uh, I was a history major in preparation to go to law school. I really realized actually the power of change really occurs in the classroom. And so I d- changed my major and I became a teacher. Uh, so I taught for a number of years uh, here locally in the Central Valley, um, small rural schools first. And then I loved, absolutely loved teaching. Uh, I was a history teacher. But I also brought in why, you know, the famous question students always ask since the beginning of time, why do I need to know this and is this on the test? <laughs> um, and I always found if there was a way I could connect it to whatever they were learning, to something that they might want to do in terms of a vocation or a career later, that that would kind of be the hook. Um, and I found out there was. So... Then my second love and passion came, and that was for career technical education. Uh, So I went back to school and got my administrative credential, um, left public schools and worked for a private post-secondary career college and helped them expand uh, their offerings. In fact, it's San Joaquin Valley College. It's still a great uh, college here up Mm -hmm. and down the valley and actually throughout the state. And then uh, as I got more involved with uh, private post-secondary, I realized I really wanted to get back into public education because I really felt that was more of a value for many of our students who can't afford to go to public or private school. So then I came back and went, uh, worked for Fresno Unified uh, at their adult school. And you may know the Cesar Chavez Adult School, which is Mm -hmm. downtown. That's a beautiful facility. I helped open that facility. We were uh, in multiple locations throughout the city before they built that wonderful facility, which actually was a used, I think it was an old car dealership before they uh, rehabbed it. Uh, So that was nice. And then as I spent time there, I was a vice principal uh, of adult education and career technical education. I started to um, have a lot more uh, interactions with people at the community college. Mm -hmm. And that's when I thought, okay, that's where I want to go. So when you talk about a road less traveled, I never in my wildest dreams thought I would have been a chancellor or a president of a college. Uh, In fact, in my early years, I wasn't sure if I was even (laughs) going to go to college. So it was a a twisting path. Um, 
you know, it was nice uh, after Fresno Adult School, I went to uh, West Hills College. Mm -hmm. And West Hills College is in uh, Kalinga, California, and Lemoore. And there we grew a lot of career technical programs in uh, agriculture and healthcare. Uh, really enjoyed working with uh, the faculty there, the administrators, and many of the, um, the businesses and farmers. Uh, so I worked there as a strategic uh, planner for a while and then went through the ranks and became vice chancellor and then became president at West Hills College, Kalinga. So I moved from mm -hmm. Fresno, lived in Kalinga, was president there for about six years, uh, four years, excuse me, four years, and then uh, had an opportunity to come home. And that's when uh, people called me and said, have you heard about the Fresno City College opening? <laughs> I said, yeah, but I don't know. I really like Kalinga. And so uh, people talked me into applying, and I, I got the job. And that was an incredible experience. I mean, Fresno City College, California's first community college. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I know you've Gorgeous. been on the campus. Yep. Um, <clears throat> my alma mater. Yes, <laughs> yes. So I got to spend some time there. Uh, I was there for six years and then then uh, worked towards becoming chancellor. So I don't think I woke up thinking I wanted to be chancellor. It was just the next indicated staff where, um, you know, is it higher power? Is it God? Yes, I think <laughs> yeah. to both. And mm -hmm. you kind of go where you think you're being drawn to. Something that kind of feels right. Yeah, it does. And so you've been through pretty much every every little nook and cranny of of you know academia, if you will. Yeah. Um, recently, I have a cousin who is getting her PhD at LSU, and she's really passionate about academia in mm -hmm. general. Um, she wants to teach, and you know, it's, she's not sure she wants to go the next step. Um, but the conversations that we have are often related to the mass exodus from academia. Yeah. Are you seeing that in your role, um, specifically as it relates to women? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. In California, we haven't seen a mass exodus, although I'm reading about it in different, um, in different parts of the country. And I think uh, there is some folks who are leaving for various reasons. Some mm -hmm. people, I think there's a, a gray wave coming mm -hmm. as we see uh, more people who are getting ready to retire. Mm -hmm. I still think more people um, see education as a, a viable career and they mm -hmm. want to get involved. Um, you see some people from uh, states that uh, might be more restrictive wanting to come to California. Mm -hmm. uh, you see some of uh, faculty who don't really like how California's going, so they're going to other states. Mm -hmm. um, that kind of natural uh, transition of, of where you want to live, I think, occurs. Mm -hmm. um, I'm excited to see uh, our students coming back after the pandemic. So mm -hmm. for me, that's the best indicator mm -hmm. that uh, community colleges are doing well, and especially here in the Valley. That they're, they're healthy and they're attracting yes. um, yeah. students. So even through, you know, throughout history initially, um, it was a more, we're talking a little bit about male dominated. Yeah. So not just students were mostly male, which now I think the statistics have changed to be slightly, slightly more equal. Mm -hmm. um, but in your industry, do you feel that academia is male dominated? And do you feel that it's male dominated from either a volume standpoint or a decision maker standpoint? I mean, obviously you're in a decision maker position, so you're yeah. kind of changing that yeah. changing that color and that's amazing um do you feel like the entire um industry if you will is coming along as progressively 
You know, that's a really good question. You know, when you look at the students, it really has shifted, and we see more females going to community college than males. Uh, and right now, we're probably about about 60-40 split, and that really accelerated during the pandemic, but before it was about like 55-45. Um, so we see a lot of our young males, and in fact, there's been a lot of studies about where are these young men going? Are mm -hmm. they going in the workforce? Are they going to the military service? And really, there still seems to be a question mark because when you talk to employers, mm -hmm. they're not seeing you know a mass uh, pool of young men mm -hmm. ready to come. So some people had talked about this delayed adolescence, and is that uh, playing a factor? We see a lot more of our, our men coming back to college or coming back to school a little later. Mm -hmm. um, so we're trying actively to bring those young men back. But in terms of the workforce, um, you're absolutely right. When Fresno City College first opened its doors in you know 1910, <laughs> um, it was mostly white males, mm -hmm. uh, both in leaderships, in teaching, and as students. Mm -hmm. Slowly, over time, that has changed. Um, it's still the CEO position is mm -hmm. still more dominantly uh, uh, in the C-suite is usually a male. Mm -hmm. uh, but we're seeing over this last 10 years, I think, a greater shift of women taking over the role. Um, I think in California, we're probably one of the, the states that have more diverse uh, representation mm -hmm. as college presidents or you know college chancellors, both mm -hmm. in terms of gender, but also in terms of ethnicity. Mm -hmm. But you don't see that across the nation. So national statistics would probably show we're making slower gains mm -hmm. than they are in California. Absolutely. But I've seen change just in my experience. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, when I first was at West Hills, I was the only uh, female executive for quite some time. So it was nice to see that start to change. Can you give us a little bit of an idea of times when you felt like, I want to give up. I don't want to uh, do this. I don't want to fight this battle. They're never gonna. They're never gonna accept me. Yeah. Um, some adversity that that maybe you've encountered, and how you either overcame it or have kind of learned to coexist with it. Mm -hmm. um, that would be. Amazing. Yeah, it's interesting. You should ask that. Uh, it seems like uh, all too often there's challenges in one's career or even in one's day that makes you go, you know, why am I doing this? Is this, <laughs> is this making any difference? Um, and there are little challenges and big challenges, you know, and the, I'll tell you the secret and then I'll give you an example. One of the things that I try to focus on is um, not necessarily the problem or the challenge or the challenging uh, individuals who may be involved, mm -hmm. but I also try to look at who we're trying to serve, um, and that's our students and our community, and try to always stay focused on the student, always stay focused that our community needs us, and really trying to overcome challenges. Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. Um, one had to deal with uh, uh, the pride flag. Mm -hmm. uh, when I first uh, got into education, uh, there was no protections for LGBT folks. So mm. just even coming out, you could lose your job. Uh, so that's a bit intimidating. It's kind of unreal. It's kind of unreal. Mm -hmm. uh, so things have changed, but um, even here in, you know, progressive times over the last five years, um, I remember uh, we wanted to pass a resolution encouraging people to learn about Pride Month and what mm -hmm. it means in terms of the history uh, for all Americans mm -hmm. and encourage the, the colleges to uh, raise the Pride flag. And it hadn't been done ever before. And that was in 2000, I think 18 or 19, hadn't been done. And uh, so I took the resolution to heart and we 
raised the flag. And it was a very controversial time, you mm -hmm. may recall, because the city was facing some, you know, should they raise the flag, should they not mm -hmm. raise the flag. And I mean, they still have. They still have even controversy. Even through this year. <laughs> they even have controversy still. And, uh, you know, I, I was a little nervous about it because I did get some hate mail and hate email about why are you doing this. And um, Mayor Dyer reached out to me, and mm -hmm. I've known him for many, many years. And he's like, you know, can I come to your flag raising ceremony? Because I'm not going to, I don't want to say anything. I'll be in the back. I'm like, Mayor, you're, it's a community college. <laughs> yes, Everybody's please. welcome. Of course you can come. Um, so I saw him in the back and not only my story, but other people's story about why this matters mm -hmm. and why it's so important to be able to create a place of belonging mm -hmm. and a place of really inclusion and showing mm -hmm. that everybody's welcome. Um, it was, it made a big deal to our students, but I also think it changed our mayor's heart a little bit. Mm -hmm. In fact, he said so. And uh, that story uh, got picked up by National Press. And oh, wow. We got a lot of praise and a lot of hate because, uh, you know, you, anytime you try to do something different, um, something audacious, something mm -hmm. new, there's always push and pull. So you have to look past the moment and think mm -hmm. about how is this going to impact those students who maybe didn't feel included. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was probably one of the biggest challenges that we're still facing, but we're still going to try to move forward with love and make sure everybody knows they're welcome creating a safe space of inclusion. Absolutely. Um, that can be really challenging, just from my own experience um, in a heavily male-dominated industry. How are you taking steps moving forward? Um, I mean, you're obviously very inclusive and yeah. progressive, and the hate mail has to be really hard to deal with, um, especially because you're in such a public role. Yeah. Um, how do you how do you kind of keep yourself safe? Not not even just physically safe, but emotionally safe. Yeah, and, and again, timely. Um, I right now, believe it or not, I, I have a couple of restraining orders on people because they've made physical threats to me and my family. That is unreasonable. It's yeah, it's it's unconscionable if you think about it. And I have to wonder, you know, if I were a male chancellor, would I be receiving this type of uh, just terrible hate. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to take both sometimes legal stance uh, to protect yourself, to protect the institution. As chancellor, that's part of my job is to make sure mm -hmm. that our institutions are safe for our students and staff. And also as a person, I want to make sure I, I protect myself and my family. Mm -hmm. um, so leaning into a bullying type situation, I, I think uh, you, you can't walk away from it. You can't hide from it. You just have to stand up. And lean on your faith. Mm -hmm. You know, I have uh, I go to Big Red Church mm -hmm. down in the tower, and um, I talk to my pastor about things. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I have the power of prayer for that congregation with me. Uh, that helps me a great deal. And then also just the emotional, as you were talking about, the emotional toll it takes. Uh, taking time to talk to your pastor, taking time to talk to a therapist, taking time to walk your dog. Yeah. You know, just to get out in nature and remind yourself that, you know, this too shall pass. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the part as people who feel threatened, it's easy to just to get caught in that 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 fear. Mm -hmm. And uh, you really have to be brave in terms of little things like going out and walking your dog or taking time to ride your bike mm -hmm. um, and seeking, like I said, seeking uh, guidance from your spiritual family, I think is important. I've kind of curated my own little group of advisors, right? You know, you've got your doctors, you've got your therapists, you've got your astrologists, yeah. and you've got your, your religious guides. Um, and I've also found that that's very, very helpful. Do, or how are your, how's your staff feeling? Um, 
are they, does that permeate down all the way through from the staff to the students? Mm -hmm. Or have you kind of been singled out just, you know, yeah. essentially because you're not what they yeah. expect? No, I think, I think it's a yes and. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when there's these, uh, I'll call them waves um, with the latest uh, incident that we had, um, you know, we had to do a timely warning. We had to notify the, the college that this incident took place, that these threats were made because mm -hmm. it came from a student. Um, so we had to let, uh, the student told us what had happened, and so we had to do an investigation. The investigation is still ongoing. It's a criminal matter. It's still ongoing. Um, so we had to notify people and, you know, do a thorough investigation because the alleged uh, uh, perpetrator of these uh, threats also my job is to protect their due process to make mm -hmm. sure they get uh, not only a fair uh, shake at, in the employment field, but also to make sure everything takes place elsewhere as well. So there's that, that fine line of balancing the protection of the students and staff and also making sure that individual has due process. So we had to put him on paid administrative leave mm -hmm. per California ed code mm -hmm. and regulations. And so we'll let the investigation continue and then we'll play things out accordingly and we'll take the analysis at that time. So when those type of events happen and students get a timely warning or a faculty gets you know, a timely warning that you need to watch for this individual, they're not supposed to be on campus, um, that causes a great deal of anxiety. Mm -hmm. So we make um, counseling available. You know, mm -hmm. of course, we have an employment, uh, employee assistance program where our, all of our employees, part-time employees as well, can seek out uh, emotional counseling. Uh, for our students, we had extra counselors on where our police department uh, does a lot of trainings like situational awareness because, you know, it's not a safe world. Mm -hmm. uh, you can go to church and things happen. You can yeah. go to a nightclub and things happen. You can be on a train and things happen. So our police are, are providing these workshops to our students and staff so they can become situationally aware and it gives them the tools to live a life not in fear. Mm -hmm. And it kind of goes back to that, what we were talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. You can't live in fear. All we can do is give people the most education, uh, knowledge, and tools to make themselves safe. So um, like myself, I'm sure they feel a little anxious, but they're leaning in and saying, no, I believe in the mission of our colleges. I believe that I'm here to help our students. Mm -hmm. So they're showing up, and I have the greatest admiration for all of them. And that passion... Does that make that, does that kind of make the difference, really like the passion, uh, does that connect you to the purpose? I hope so. You know, when I, when I get, you know, the best day that I ever, I have it in my job is when I get to go visit the colleges and, mm -hmm. and talk uh, with our students and staff and just really have kind of a one-on-one -on -one so I can see and feel their passion, they can see and feel my mm -hmm. passion, and it really does make that connection of why we're doing things in everybody's role. Um, I think... A life without purpose, well, that's, you know, why have that? Yeah, it's yeah. sad at best. Yes. Um, yes. And you are very involved in the community. Did you, you grow up in Fresno? No, actually, I grew up in uh, Visalia. Okay. My parents were from uh, the Porterville area, and when I was a young child, we lived in the Bay Area, and then we moved back to Visalia. So uh, I'm a Redwood Ranger. Uh, and went to COS, uh, go Giants, <laughs> and then I went to Fresno State and just fell in love with Fresno, mm -hmm. and I've been here well, like several decades, so now I can say I'm like a transplant with deep roots. <laughs> you're a, you're Valley proud. I'm Valley proud. Um, my mom is uh, actually from Porterville, and oh. you know, every, 
it seems the more times I say Porterville, people are like, where is that? Yeah. And I'm like, do you know where your orange, where your citrus comes from? That's, That's right. Porterville. That's right. Yeah. Um, well, we're really, really blessed to have you here, Blazing oh. Trails. And, and you, in spite of, not maybe in spite isn't the right term, but there is a lot of adversity and you do have a lot of things that, you know, you're, you are very involved in the community. You do have a very public role. Um, and it is inspiring to watch you continue to show up for things, even, even though there are things that are threatening you personally, threatening your family, which is completely unconscionable. There's really no other word um, to describe it. And you are making a path for other women. Um, and that is so appreciated mm. just from women even outside the industry. Do you have other staff members or do you have students that have expressed interest in a similar path yeah. or, or, you know, kind of this dual faceted question, do you have a mentor that kind of kept you going and are you mentoring, um, with people that have the specific goals or passions that you connect with? Yes, absolutely. You know, uh, you know, my first mentor, and probably is very similar to you, Our first, my first mentor and teacher was my mom. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, she gave me such inspiration and tools and to be able to really hang on to faith and hope mm -hmm. um, and be able to put those things into action. Um, but over the years, I've had some great mentors, and I'm trying to give that back. Mm -hmm. So at State Center, we have um, uh, a leadership academy. Uh, that was been in existence, and we're looking at retooling that and kind of making it uh, refresh it a bit mm -hmm. and looking at expanding it. We also have a number of um, leadership opportunities that we promote for not only our, our administrators, but also faculty and classified uh, through a number of conferences. There's mm -hmm. a lot of associations, but we're also wanting to do something local to be able to kind of grow our own. And I, I think we have amazingly talented uh, staff and faculty and administrators. And many of them want to be able to try these different roles. So mm -hmm. we're looking now at how might we be able to do that to kind of create our own internships so people don't necessarily have to leave their role, but be able to try something out. Mm -hmm. And we've done a, a few pilots uh, where, uh, say, an administrative uh, aid, mm -hmm. um, for example, at Clovis, uh, one of our executive administrative aides wanted to go into the teaching arena and had gone on to um, pursue education so they could teach. So we let them uh you know, try teaching out for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're, we'll see if she continues to like it. And if she does, we're going to support that. She was a great executive administrative assistant. But if mm -hmm. teaching is her passion, we want to help foster that. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of times we'll see people from what we call the classified professional ranks. Those are mm -hmm. all the positions that are in support of uh, the institution, in support of our students. Um, there's different uh, ways that they can, you know, go throughout their career and mm -hmm. continue to grow. We want to continue those. Same thing with our faculty. If they want to try different things, we want to support that. Um, I think it's important. I mean, we're an educational institution, mm -hmm. so we should be valuing education, mm -hmm. right? And I'd like to think that we're putting a lot of those things in action. So, yeah. I mean, overall, that really is a road less traveled for the way that, you know, most colleges function at all. Any educational institution yeah. functions at all. Um, and that's really amazing that you're seeing people take advantage of it. Yeah. Um, and just to kind of touch back on you so that you guys provided, you know, emotional support or help um, assistance with finding therapists or mm -hmm. with therapy for your staff and students, that is so incredibly important. And it's something that we have 
as a society have not embraced in the way that I think that we should. Mm-hmm. Um, so even just making that available is, that's a phenomenal program. Yes, thank you. You know, and it's it's difficult because there's not a lot of providers. So we're having to look at different modalities of delivery of services, whether that's like through telemedicine or those mm-hmm. sort of things. Um, but it's something we're looking at how do we expand that and offer it to even more people. Uh, so I hope over these next, you know, 12 to 16 months, we'll have more programs to be able to roll out. Um, and of, of course, all of it is, you know, uh, there's there's an expense to it. Yeah. Uh, but I also think there's a value of people's, you know, wellness uh, that we really want to be able to support. And uh, I'm happy to say, you know, we have all of our uh, negotiated contracts completed, so that's nice. So now we'll be able to focus on, you know, what can we do together to make our workplace a better place where all of our employees can thrive just as our students are thriving. And I think mental health and wellness, you know, just physical wellness, Mm -hmm. whether it's yoga or, you know, going out for a walk, is foundational to just a happy life. I have found that recently in my own personal life, I'm kind of loathed working out until recently I found Pilates and I'm like, oh, it gets me out of my own brain. Yeah. It's amazing. Do you have a, do you have a physical <laughs> wellness practice that, that you really have, rely on or have found yeah. that? You know, when I was younger, I, I used to uh, ride uh, like road bikes quite a bit and even dabbled a little bit as a triathlete. Not very well, but I, amazing. I enjoyed it. It was many years ago. <laughs> Um, and so for me, I don't get on my road bike anymore, but I do get on uh, my my townie, if you were, mm-hmm. and there's nothing more uh, invigorating for me just to go out on a bike ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really love that. It brings me a sense of joy. It reminds me of being a kid again. Mm-hmm. So I do that. Um, I've also recently discovered the joys of pickleball. Okay. Oh, my God. It's I've the best. I've heard this. Oh, and, and I don't get to play it often enough, but I absolutely love it. In fact, uh, Fresno Social Sports, uh-huh. kind of a plug for them. Um, they make it fun. And of course I also belong to a a racket club where I'm trying to learn to be a better pickleballer. (laughs) That's amazing. Um, But I'd really like to talk about Pilates. I've always wanted to try it and I haven't tried it. So maybe one day we could go. I would love that. Um, I'm kind of feel the same way about pickleball. Okay. Uh, I have decided to get certified to teach Pilates. Um, so I'm working on that right now. And so, I mean, I would love for you to come take a class with me before you take a class from me, just uh-huh. so we can be sure that I'm doing everything right. <laughs> I would love that. I would love that. We could go play pickleball. Yes, that would be super fun. That would be super fun. I would love that. That'd be great. And is, I understand that pickleball has become a very, very social, yeah. like, community event. It is. That's amazing. It really is. And again, you know, that the group Fresno Social Sports, really interesting uh, organization run by two gentlemen whose names mm-hmm. escape me, but they're great guys. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they do kickball, they do pickleball, and they do uh, an, a, another sport, which it might be dodgeball, but I, don't quote me on that. But they bring groups together. It's organized. It's mm-hmm. fun. They have a bowling league. It's safe. It's like being recess for adults. I love that. And it's just great. And the pickleball is indoors, too. So it's at one of the local churches where they oh, have cool. a big gymnasium. And it's just uh, organized recess for adults. I And, you know, there's a lot of talk about or studies on joy and play for adults and yeah. how we don't really prioritize that. It's been a very, historically, everything is kind of about the grind. We, yeah. We're defined by our, our profession, and obviously I'm changing mine at this point. Um, and somebody said to me the other day, like, 
you are not defined by your job. And I was like, whoa, that didn't, that didn't ever occur to me. Um, so do you, how do you manage that like professional persona and the personal persona and the community involvement? Because I'm sure even when you're doing personal stuff, people are like, Hey, this professional thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting, you know, I'm, uh, it's interesting as an American, I think phenomenon that we, you know, you go to a party and they ask, you know, not about your beliefs or, you know, who you're married to. The first Mm -hmm. question is, what do you do? Mm -hmm. Um, and so we're so tied to our jobs, and it's easy to get caught up into the role that you play. Um, I, I think, again, I, I had a really humble upbringing with my parents, so they um, always reminded me of, you know, well, you still got to take the trash out. Um, <laughs> take Chancellor. <no>! Yeah. Um, <laughs> and my family does the same thing. So when I go home, I try to keep you know, my devices to a minimum. Mm-hmm. Um, although, you know, I'll scroll through Instagram. By the way, I love your Instagram. Oh, thank just, you. Um, you just try to compartmentalize things, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. And my therapist probably wouldn't like that. But <laughs> it's it's how you keep, you know, your sanity. And I do think you have to make time to separate and to have friends that are not part of your work circle, to have activities that are not part of your work circle. Mm-hmm. Because your work is only a season, and it changes. Mm-hmm. You know, I was the president at Kalinga. That mm-hmm. changed. I was the president at Fresno City College. That changed. Right now, I'm the chancellor, and I'm, I'm hoping to do this for a few mm-hmm. years. Uh, but that will change, too. And mm-hmm. to what, I'm not sure. But I don't want to be tied into that so much where it'll be hard for me to make a transition into whatever the next phase might be. That is really, really good advice because I feel like a lot of us get very stuck in, this is my identity, this is it. Don't look anywhere else. Put the blinders on. Um, And it is a fresh perspective, truly. And really, it's like you're paving your own road um, and you're in control of your story. I think sometimes that gets lost on us. We forget that we can be. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as women, too, uh, oftentimes, you know, we are in these roles of caregiver or, you know, Mm -hmm. wife, um, sister, uh, daughter, all of these roles that require us to play certain parts. And so sometimes work um, is also a big driver in that. So through all that, you know, where do you find you and where mm-hmm. do you keep you? And uh, I'm often reminded of, you know, when you go onto an airplane, they, you know, in case of emergency, mm-hmm. take care of yourself first. <laughs> and that's because you do have to take care of yourself in order to take care of others, in order to do the work or to have the fun. So it's a good reminder for all of us. And I think um, as women, we need to kind of nudge each other and say, hey, I'm thinking about you, you know, buddy check, uh, mm-hmm. making sure you're doing what you need to do, taking care of yourself physically, um, you know, seriously about the buddy check, getting mammograms mm-hmm. done is important. Um, just your your daily health of going outside is important. Yeah. So kind of on that same token, what advice would you give to young Carol, knowing mm. what you know now? That's a big one. That is a great uh, question. <laughs> yeah, it probably depends on like what part of life. But, um, you know, and I don't know if I shared this with you, but uh, at one point in my life, um, my parents and I kind of had a break and uh, I didn't live with them for a while. Kind of got kicked out of the house. So that young Carol, uh, luckily I made some good decisions and didn't get on the, on the wrong path because I could have easily done that. Mm-hmm. I think I would tell that Carol, uh, stay focused on school, 
stay focused on healing your relationship with your parents and uh, maybe have a little less fun because I probably had too much fun then. <laughs> no such thing as too much yeah, fun. Yeah, I don't know. In hindsight, <laughs> I, yeah, my educational journey might have been shortened if I would have paid a little more attention. But I think it's important to tell young people, whether it's yourself giving yourself the permission or young people that are going through things, um, it's okay if you don't get it right the first time. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I look at some courses and people, you know, think, well, you must have been, you know, great in school. <laughs> I wasn't necessarily the best student. Uh, not until much later in my academic career did I get better. Mm -hmm. But I never gave up. Mm -hmm. And that's the part, I think, you know, even if you don't do well in a course, don't give up. Take it again. Um, because you can't let one thing define you. Not one person, not one event, not one thing, not one class. Don't give up on yourself. I think that is phenomenal advice. Thank you. What, what advice would you give to other women mm -hmm. who are getting onto a road less traveled, who are considering a road less traveled? Yeah. You know, I think uh, when you have those moments of reflection that you're wanting to do something different, mm -hmm. um, that it's important to check in and, and maybe journal about what it is you want to do, where you want to go. Mm -hmm. Because as you know, the road less traveled may take you into a place that you didn't originally <laughs> think you were going. It's true. But if you look at the big outcomes, is it the destination or is it the journey? Mm -hmm. Is it where you want to be or is it a place, a, a condition and a mindset? Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't set out to be chancellor. Uh, it kind of came and it seemed like the next logical step you know, I wanted to be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. This is not what I envisioned, but mm -hmm. I wanted to help people. I wanted to make our community a little bit better. And I hope I, that's what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So not to be so fixated on the path, maybe the journey. Mm -hmm. Enjoying the journey. Absolutely. I mean, so often we hear, you know, you get to the end and you look back and you wish you would have. Yeah. Um, so just kind of like taking a moment to soak everything in. Absolutely. Have you relied a lot on your intuition to kind of get where you are? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, again, my, my mother and my grandmother both told me at a very early age, um, that little voice inside you, you know, that's, that's your guardian angel. That's the Holy Spirit. That's, you need to listen to it. Mm -hmm. And especially if it's telling you of certain situations, um, you know, take a moment and reflect on it. Be prayerful on it. Uh, because it is those, uh, coincidence is not necessarily coincidence. Mm -hmm. It's divine inspiration. It's divine intervention. And so I think it's important for um, women and men to listen to that little voice. Now, if it's nagging fear, <laughs> maybe. Uh, yeah, maybe call your therapist, call your therapist, <laughs> call a friend. Uh, but if it's those things that are making you think, you know, I can, I want to try something new. I want to do something different. That's usually an indication that, yeah, you're meant to try something different. Mm -hmm. And maybe not to be a master at it, but maybe to enjoy the experience of it. I was speaking to somebody yesterday who was an attorney for his entire career and he decided that he wanted to try something new. So now he's going through school to become a sommelier. I love and it. I was like, that is so different, but I'm here for it. Like, I uh, want to be a student for life. Yes. I mean, not necessarily a starving student for life, <laughs> but to continue learning and absorbing and changing and, you know, your perspective on change and accepting that and and actually kind of absorbing where you're at without trying to define the path of where you're going yeah. um, is really refreshing. Well, thank you. And I think, you know, that's what I love about where I work. You know, community colleges really can help people 
as they're trying to determine maybe what's that next change? Mm -hmm. What's the next path for me? Um, you know, we're affordable, we're accessible, and there's so many options mm -hmm. for people to be able to. I've always wanted to learn more about art, art history. I've mm -hmm. always wanted to learn more about, you know, X, culture. Well, there we have social studies and cultural studies, mm -hmm. or I wanted to learn a foreign language. Um, I think that keeps you young. It keeps you mm -hmm. vibrant. It keeps you relevant. Um, and there's no better way than have just being around young people. I think it's great. You make an excellent point with that. Um, and I think we sometimes we think, oh, we're talking about a road. We're just going to take this road. And you're like, okay, well, then I have to take this class and this class and this class. And then I am done with that. And then I'm on to this class and this class and this school. And the, the point that you make about going back and getting educated on something else yeah. or changing something a little bit, and it's so accessible. Um, now I have some other things to think about. Um, <laughs> so I appreciate that a lot. Sure. I got my little wheels working. Good. Um, and I really encourage other people to do that too. I, especially if you don't know where your road is going. Especially. You know, and, and most educators would probably cringe when they hear what I'm about to say, sometimes it's not about the degree. Mm -hmm. Sometimes maybe it's just that one course to help you determine, maybe you want to start your own business, so you take a business class or a business finance class or you know how to write a, a business plan to help you determine what it is you want. I mean, of course, I would like everybody to go on and get their degree, their AA, their bachelor, mm -hmm. of course. But, and I know that many of our entrepreneurs here, and especially in the Valley, have taken a course or two or three mm -hmm. or four, didn't finish their degree, but they're incredibly successful in the fact that they're happy with the businesses that they've started. Mm -hmm. And that for me, what measure of success is there? I mean, it's not always a piece of paper. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's, you know, so educators, yes, it is a yeah, piece of paper. I mean, yes. And, but it can be both, right? It can right. be both. You should be happy with your piece of paper. Absolutely. That should be what you wanted to do. Yeah. And it should lead to what it is you want to do. Exactly. Well, thank you very much for being here today. Thank you. Very much appreciate it. And I'm looking forward to our next off, off unmiked lunch. Yes. <laughs> Pilates. Too. Yes. Oh, yes. And, and some pickleball. Yeah. We're going to be active. I had a girlfriend tell me, um, I have, my mom has a restaurant in Orange County, and I have a few friends down there, and she, we went to a Pilates class. And I was like, hey, you want to get coffee? And she said, well, let's, let's go to Pilates. You know, I feel like connections are better made when we're moving our bodies. And I had never really thought about it like that, and I think she maybe has a point. I think she might have a point. I think maybe our, our next we'll have a walk or a Pilates or a pickleball. Yes. And then go have a coffee. Yes. Okay. Because we're going to need to stay awake after yes, that. Yes, exactly. Well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you.